Hi, beauty. I'm so grateful you were led to this podcast. I'm your host, Miranda. Hi. I'm a wife, coach, and mom to four world changers. And this is the Recalibrating Hearts podcast. It's my heart that in this space, you would encounter the love of the Father and receive downloads, revelations, and solutions for partnering with God in your breakthrough. You'll also hear how we're building our family, powerful prayers and declarations for you, and ways to incorporate natural solutions for whole health. I think it's time to normalize spiritual breakthrough and walk in freedom with whole hearts. Holy Spirit, you get full permission to recalibrate our hearts. Let's go. I am super honored to bring to you my interview and conversation with Gigi Denard. Through motivational speaking, publications, and online courses, Gigi offers products and services to help you achieve what she calls 360-degree wellness in spirit, soul, body, and business. Within the realm of personal development, Gigi's areas of expertise are father-child relationships, identity cultivation, and kingdom living. And Gigi debuted as a voice in the fatherlessness movement in 2012 after publishing the first edition of Hungry for Wholeness, a call to pursue healing and restoration in your father-child relationship and serving as the opening key speaker for the inaugural Fathership Conference. Gigi's team reached out to me to have her on the show, and I'm so blessed by this divine appointment, as I believe you will be. All right, enjoy the show. If you allow this episode, it will be life changing. When I met with Gigi, I was already, my heart was already being worked on. It's like God was preparing me for this message that to hear from her heart. And I just knew that you guys had to hear from her and had to hear the message on her life. Um, I'm just looking forward to hearing more. Welcome Gigi to the show. We're blessed to have you and hi, how are you doing? I, this is such a blessing, Miranda. I am so, so thrilled to be here today and to share with your audience and to absolutely welcome the Holy Spirit and to see what he wants to do today. Amen. That was a powerful prayer before we started. So we yes. know that whatever, <laughs> anything goes here. I'm kind of like, I'm actually a little bit sweating because I'm like, what are we going to do, Lord? So I'm going to trust that your vessel is prepared. Amen. I was like, are you going to do a sneaky thing on us, Lord? So basically, <laughs> oh man. So your team founded me. And so I wanted to share with my listeners, like, I don't always find people like, so your team found me and thought we'd be a good match. Yes. And when I heard yes. your story, I was like, okay, the Lord wants to bring your message yes. of healing, truth and restoration to as many people as possible. So I want you guys to really sit back and relax. And when you do listen to the replay again and again, get a blanket, get some cozies, get some tea or coffee. And if you allow it, I'll say that again, if you allow it, and if you open your heart, just open the door of your heart, you're, it's going to be life-changing for you. Like Mm -hmm. get ready, get the tissues ready. So (laughs) really before we jump deep, because we're going to just mm-hmm. wait, you'll see. I just want to hear, would you start off by just telling us about yourself, Gigi, and like where you're from and just a little about you because, you know, we'll be. Sure. I'm Gigi Denard and I grew up in a single parent household in South Florida, mostly, uh, but kind of all over Florida. And I now live in Maryland and the Lord has blessed me with a writing, speaking kind of ministry with one of the core messages being his father heart. And so that was really born out of my own experiences and, and 
a surprise. When you were called, like you shared with me earlier, basically to the stage, you were like, well, I have this idea. But all of a sudden God comes in and he's like, well, actually, whether this is falling apart or the mic or the notes or the PowerPoint don't work, he, man, tell me more about the message on the father's heart for the fatherless, really. Sure. I think the message started resonating very early for me because I grew up without my father. So I didn't meet my father until I was 17. So there was this void, you know, there was this void that was there. I wasn't really churched very much growing up either. I'm filling in that void with all the wrong things, all the things that I could think of, particularly as a teenage girl, all, you know, looking for love and affirmation and affection in all the wrong places. And so that was very painful. You know, there was a lot of pain in that journey, even after meeting my father, which was a great meeting, but it it didn't really resolve all of the wounding that had occurred over that period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so first I just, you know, it was really a professor of mine who mentioned this idea of a book. My dad and I, so one of the things that I discovered when I met my father was that our writing styles were almost identical. And that was kind of freaky. Mm. So so we uh, wanted to tell our stories together. Um, We decided to just kind of write our stories from our own perspectives. And then I would merge the stories together. And then the Lord just kind of opened little cracks of doors for me to share this little piece with me and my dad, but everybody I shared it with, people were really moved. You know, college students were crying. This woman decided she wanted to take it into a prison ministry. I was like, uh, sure. Okay, whatever. But I really, at that point, it was almost more cathartic for me and my dad. You know, it, it was something for us, I think, to help us in our healing, uh, in our separation. And I don't, I don't know that either of us had a vision for something more, Mm. but when I took it to this professor of mine who had been kind of like a surrogate father in college, he was the one who said, you know, if you added some other people's stories in here, this could be a really powerful book. And I was just kind of like, okay, but I wasn't like in a really solid walk with the Lord at that point. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, it sounded like a cool idea. And Maybe that would happen one day. I didn't have this burning like, ooh, ooh, I want to write a book or anything. It was just like, oh, that's a nice idea. Fast forward 10 years, you know, I got very clear witness. My walk with the Lord had deepened. I really, you know, come into fellowship, learned a lot more how to hear his voice and got very clear that, yes, this was something he wanted me to do. Mm. So really it was an act of obedience. You know, it started out just like, okay, we're going to do this book. I reached out, you know, to like anybody and everybody I know and said, hey, if you've had some father estrangement and you'd like to share your story, you know, I'm looking and I'm doing this book. And so that landed me on six or seven other people, men and women to share their stories, some from a perspective of son and daughter and some from the perspective of fathers. So I did the book. I did the book. I published the book in 2012. And I thought, okay, I've been obedient. That's good. You know, that works. Thanks. What's next? And so I was amazed, absolutely amazed, that a few short months later, 
I was being invited to be a keynote speaker at a conference on fatherlessness mm. in Portland. And I was like, what on earth is this? I didn't see it coming like at all. And yet it was so clear. <laughs> it was so clear of how much this message is needed in the body of Christ. It's not, we're not talking about people who don't know the Lord. We're, this body is needed so, this message is needed so much in the body. There are so many believers who are hurting from father wounds. And I really had no idea how widespread until I've got this audience before me of like 400 people, about 390 of whom were women. And the whole room was just sobbing. I spoke way longer than I expected. They had to literally pull me off the stage. And then we prayed over people, but I, I never even got to go to the lobby to sign books because people were thronging me wanting to talk and 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 ask questions and hear. And, you know, it was just, it was incredible. And I think that was the first time that I really felt so much the presence of God. Like I, I barely, I really kind of don't know what I said. Mm. Um, that was my first real experience of allowing the Lord to use me as a vessel to carry forth his message. But his heart as a father is so important for our wholeness. And that's what the message is, really. It's that, you know, healing is available. The word is real when he says that he came to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up their wounds. It is real. It's not a platitude. And, and he wants that healing for everybody. And he wants everybody to really know the depth of his father's love for us and what that really means. So many people have not had a good, good father. And so we can't even fathom sometimes the depth of God's father love for us. We just, we don't even know what it's supposed to look like. You know, sometimes people will say that, well, you know what it's about. No, we don't know what it's supposed to look like. We, it hasn't been modeled. For the most part, it just has not been modeled. So we don't know. And when God pours it out from his word to us to say, this is what you mean to me. And this is what I want to be for you. It's, it's like a foreign language. You know, it just doesn't connect a lot of times. And the other just amazement of this for me is how the Lord took that pain and exchanged it for ministry to help other people heal. I mean, it's like another great exchange, you know, very much in the same way that he exchanged my unrighteousness for his righteousness at the cross. He took the pain that I had experienced from all the father wound and then translated it into this reservoir of understanding and revelation and love so that I can share his father's heart with others, which has just been an amazing privilege, <laughs> yeah. just an amazing privilege and just, you know, such a living walking testimony of his redemption, wow. you know, that he is still the redeemer, yeah. you know, yeah. and that whatever we've gone through, he can redeem it and he will do incredible things with that pain that has held us and 
held us captive and and burdened us and and kept us from being all that God has called us to be. He will take that pain and transform it. You know, it's it's the graves into gardens moment. And it's just, it's so powerful. The love of God and his father's heart is just so, so powerful. That's so, so good. Powerful. One thing that came up because I have a whole page of notes already is what caused you to turn your heart to finding your father, like mm. in your life. Um, we all, I, I can relate with a void that you look for love in all the wrong places because of the mm. void. And it's almost mm-hmm. like you don't know better because you're just wanting that feeling mm-hmm. of love. And, and I even thought about that in my morning devotions today, healing from some stuff, the Lord's healing. I was like, look at me, look what I did. And I, I have compassion for myself now, but Gigi, when you were starting to like, look that process of looking for your father and what was going on in your heart with that? And like, how did that come about? Well, that's, that's interesting too. I think I was born a daddy's girl, mm. even though my father was not around there was this thing on the inside of me. I was I was fully persuaded that my father was out there someone where loving me and not being able to get to me, that belief, <laughs> you know, you really, I can really see in hindsight the power of belief. That belief kept hope alive, <laughs> you know, through everything, through the absolute not knowing. I didn't know where my father lived. I didn't know, you know, what condition he was in, wherever he lived. I knew a few facts about my father from the past, but knew nothing. Um, We didn't, my mom and I never even have any conversation with my dad from ages 10 to 16, like nothing. I think I asked a question. I was around 10. She snapped at me, you know, in hindsight, she probably was just having a bad day. But I read it as this is not a subject she wants to discuss. So I stopped asking anything. Um, But God is creative. So this is what he did. I was at my aunt's house. Now, my family tree is a bit of a family vine. So try to follow. But uh, (laughs) so my mother's my mother's sister is married to my father's first cousin. Her son is both my first cousin and my second cousin. We share a grandfather. So one day I'm hanging out at her house to visit my cousin and I randomly, I think randomly, and I now know anointedly say, you know, I always wanted a brother named Ricky and a brother named Mickey. And she just kind of blanches. And I'm like, you know, at first I was kind of like, that was odd. But then her face changes and it's this kind of resignation. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And she decides to tell me which everyone else was afraid to tell me because they were afraid of my mom. She decided to tell me that I did have a brother named Ricky and a sister named Mickey. And I almost passed out. That was so freaky. And I'm 14. And at that point, she decided I'm going to introduce you to your father's father. So she calls him. And so for two years, I have this clandestine phone relationship with my paternal grandfather. Oh my goodness. Now it's very interesting. And when I look back, I, you know, again, I think God just allowed what he allowed. During the, those years, we didn't talk about my father. We talked about our own relationship, me and my grandfather, right? Anytime I would visit, she would call him so that I could speak to him. We called him daddy, daddy Ed. So I'm just, you know, having this conversation. And then was I a senior? Maybe at the end of my junior year or maybe 
the beginning of my senior year. I'm actually terrified to ask my mother this question, but I know I'll regret it if I don't, because I mean, what's the worst you can say is no, right? So I go to her and I very rapidly say one day, is it okay if I invite my father to my high school graduation? To which she sort of sighs. And then she says, I don't, I don't care if you can find him. So it was a yes, definitely not a happy yes, <laughs> but I would take whatever I could get at that point. She didn't say no. So there we go. So that, so now I have this plan. So the plan is I'm going to send my father's invitation to my grandfather and he'll send it to my dad, wherever my dad is, right? What I did not know was that my grandfather and my father were not speaking. I had no idea. I had no idea. I just, he never said anything negative about my dad. So I just assumed they were okay. But by God's grace, he sent it to my dad anyway, because he didn't know where he was. That's how that all came to be. Uh, He didn't get the graduation invitation until literally the night before my graduation. He had just returned from Florida. So he had only been an hour away from me, like the day before, having no idea where we were. He was speaking in Florida (laughs) and yeah, got back home to find the invitation. So I met him. He came in July. That was like May. He came in July. I met him two months later. Wow. It was the first time. Yeah. So that process of like, I want to find my father, knowing you were always a daddy's girl, which is so precious. The Lord believe, belief kept alive. Yes. All the stuff, the spirit's leading. You meet him. And then once you started you basically then started a healing journey between you and your father. Yes. You both found out was writers. You shared the writing, you wrote a lot, but how the Lord started continued to weave your guys' hearts together. Can you share how your heart, when your heart towards the father, God started healing or the wounds um, started healing where you were like, well, this is like love. Like this is the father's love for yourself. Because mm-hmm. yes, it became the message, but tell me mm-hmm. how it became the message. Sure. Because you're like healing. Gosh, I mean, there must have been lies. Like, tell me, tell me what Sure. That if I understand the question, yeah. I think what, I think what happened was first, he just kind of let me connect to my dad. Yeah. Right. So right away, I got a very different image mm-hmm. of love than I had had probably from anyone except maybe my great grandmother. So my mother and I were not close. So that added, you know, to the pain of yeah. the developmental experience. Yep. So one of the stark contrasts right away was that I really felt an unconditional love from my father. It was unique. It was like, wow, like he doesn't care how much I weigh. He doesn't care what my grades are. He doesn't care about any of those external things that I always felt were the measurements of my mom's love. It was so clear that he just absolutely loved me because I was his. And he was so proudly that, you know, my dad was also super affectionate. Like when we met and would walk around, we would walk around town with our arms around each other. You know, when he called me, my roommates were like, who is this guy? My dad calls and he leaves this message. He goes, Hey, babe, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> her roommates are like, who is this dude? I'm like, oh, that's my dad. I'm like, really? Your dad calls you babe like that? I said, yeah, he does actually. So I think that's kind of how it, how the Lord kind of lured me in. Over time, I realized that there were still hurts. 
I was still angry. I still had a lot of resentment about the fact that I missed those first 17 years. I've discovered I was angry both with my mother and with God. And I really, I didn't intellectually know that. That sort of came up in a counseling session with my assistant pastor who, so this was really kind of interesting how God does this. He's, he just amazes me all the time and how he takes things that, you know, you go in for one thing and you come back with something completely different. Mm -hmm. This was a conversation that began because my assistant pastor actually reminded me often of my mother and it created a wounding, a re-wounding, right? And, and we could be talking and then she'd say something and I'd shut down and I knew she had no idea why. And at the time I couldn't really explain it either. I had enough words to go to her and say, okay, look, and because I was a, in lay leadership in my church, I just, I knew that I couldn't afford to have a breach with my leadership, that that was just unhealthy. So I went to her and I said, okay, look, this is the deal. There are things you say and do. I know that you don't mean to, but they end up hurting me because they remind me of things my mother has said and done. And it taps on that nerve all <laughs> over again, you wow. know? And she kind of laughed and she was like, okay. She said, you know, my husband gets this a lot from guys who have bad relations with their fathers. She goes, I don't, I don't get this much, but that's how it began. So we started to talk. It turned into literally like an all night into dawn, eight hour session of deliverance. Wow. So it started out in that direction. But as she started praying over me, she was getting different impressions. And she said, mm -hmm. you know, there's some things I feel like you need to renounce. And she goes, and I don't know what they are. And they might not be what you think it is. So just go with whatever God's telling you. I said, okay. And so what came up and out was this anger that I was really angry with God. And I was still angry with my mother because my mother forbade my father to see me. And I was aware of that. It wasn't my father's choosing, right? Yeah, I was angry. <laughs> And uh, that was a big piece of what was still blocking the rest of the healing and the release of this revelation about the father's heart. So as we prayed and cried, and I probably never cried so yeah, hard in my yeah. life, I was crying so hard at one point that she had her arm around me and I was violently shaking and like pulled her to the ground with me. So mm -hmm. once that kind of all subsided and dawn was coming, exactly. <laughs> you know, I that was that was a major turning point. Then that way, as I started working on the book, the Lord was just imparting things to me like along the way. The assistant pastor had actually done a message, I want to say in the 90s. She'd done a message at a conference. I was there and she talked about fathers and she had sort of identified these five archetypes, um, which I used yeah. kind of as a framework. The Lord just started giving me more and more revelation about this. And as I started reading, you know, books by those who have already been in this space a long time, like Dr. Ken Canfield, and who founded the National Center for Fathering and developed a relationship with him and started reading other people's materials, the Lord just really kind of started downloading just stuff about, you know, just more insight about how his father's heart is a core element of wholeness. 
for all of us and why there's such a woundedness in the body is because people don't know how to embrace him as father. And so I think I was telling you that because of my experience, that's actually, you know, the person of the Godhead with which I most identified most easily. I like rushed into his arms as father. And most people don't. Most people cringe, cower, ignore, don't trust his father heart. And that's his heart. His heart is for his kids to know him as a father. You know, the Lord's Prayer starts out with Abba Father. You know, it's our our Father in heaven. You know, that's that's his heart. His heart is for us to know him first and foremost as Father. But we've had such warped images of that. So, so the Lord just really has poured and poured and continued to pour even even uh, I did a second edition of the book last year. In that, he had me write another chapter at the end to ministers about why it's imperative that all people in ministry minister with the Father's heart. That that's got to be like the core source of ministry out if we really want to see people healed and whole. Man. That was so amazing. There was so many, so much gold with that. And I want to touch on when you said angry with God, mm-hmm. I, I wish it was normalized more. Like if I'm right or wrong in saying this, I really wish it was normalized more where people were mm-hmm. like, you can be angry. It's okay. I guess to be angry with God because he mm-hmm. can handle your pain. That's right. That's Look right. What happened before the message could flow. You had to, well, right. deliverance, deliverance is a big piece because Yucky puck, yeah. like I call them yucky puck is my kids, but demons cling to lies and strongholds mm-hmm. or whatever. And so I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability and transparency of the deliverance. But look at the timeline of that deliverance coming, the anger going. I appreciate you bringing up the angry with anger with God. I think sometimes, especially if we grew up in church, and I I did. There's this fear, unhealthy yes. fear of the Lord. Oh, if you're angry, you basically you're going to hell. If you're angry with God, you're going to hell. I really want to yeah. normalize that. How do you deal with it? How do you get past step one, step two, if you don't recognize and understand and think it's okay, like be, feel free and safe to go, I'm angry with you, Lord. And I think that's really true. Very important. Fear, you know, there are different words for fear Mm -hmm. in the Bible. And, and I think a lot of times believers don't even know that, don't understand that, that, that the fear of the Lord is not a cowering fear. It's not of fear or cringing because I'm afraid God's going to hit me, hurt me, you know, whatever, abandon me kind of thing. And so people fuse all of those fears together. So that's part of the problem. They don't, they don't understand what they're afraid of is actually the opposite of what God really wants. And the other thing is, is like you said, God is God enough (laughs) to handle our anger. (laughs) You know, like that's not going to diminish him in any, in any, not one iota. You know, and so just like unforgiveness keeps us in bondage, anger keeps us in bondage. Forgiveness frees us, not the other people. And getting free from anger frees us. You know, it's it's about you getting free so that God can actually do something with you in you. Amen. (laughs) You know, because and and seeing anger as a as a self-binding kind of hindrance. Which is behind the broken heart. Like you don't get the broken heart if you don't get through the anger. 
Like, so if you're angry, you get it right. And if you have destructive cycles and if you're raging all the time, like I was raging and I was destructive and yes, you learn it from generational patterns and raised. But then I was like, when I actually stopped and went, what is behind that anger? And someone just sat with compassion, which Holy Spirit will do. Holy Spirit will be like, knock, knock. Right. But what's behind the anger? Yes. Broken heart. Sadness. Fatherless. Yes, absolutely. A lot of times we don't understand the depths of our own hurt, but more importantly, we don't understand that it's never too deep for God. It's never too deep for God to go in and reach and and heal it. There there were layers Mm -hmm. of hurt, layers of anger. When I first published the book and I did a book signing thing at a local Christian bookstore, there was a customer that walked up to me And he said, huh, interesting. You should write a book about mothers and daughters. And I I remember in the moment, (laughs) probably not one of my finest moments, I I said to him, I said, okay, I'm I'm sure that that's a book that's needed. But seeing as how that is not the book God told me to write, this is the one he told me to write. I discovered, oh, probably a decade later, that part of the reason that it was not a book yet that he'd had me write was because there were still layers of healing that I needed in that relationship. There was a pain underneath that I did not know existed, right? He had healed me to a certain point, a point where I was aware, you know, there was all kinds of forgiveness that had happened concerning my relationship with my mom and everything. But there was this piece where I had not gotten the understanding yet. And I needed, I needed the perspective. I needed the perspective so that in sharing my story, I would have the compassion and mercy and grace for people and mothers and parents, you know, in a way that I just couldn't without that little piece. Yes. But the reason I know but I also understood God's timing and wisdom in it because at the point that he revealed that little piece, actually from watching October Baby, oddly oh, enough, I had carried this underlying thing of not feeling wanted. And I wasn't aware of that. That movie, although I was not wow. exactly the same in that, you know, nobody tried to abort me, but that feeling though, understand what the Lord revealed is still the feeling came from the womb and the feeling came because of the struggles my mother was going through at the time she was carrying me. It wasn't so much about me personally. It was, she was very unhappy and this whole scene was not at that point what she wanted. Right. And I just happened to be caught in the middle of it, literally in her womb. And so those, all of those negative emotions she had, I kind of am. (laughs) It was embedded. It was embedded in me to some degree. And so, but the timing that he showed me, I was healed enough so that that revelation did not destroy and break me. Yeah. And that's a super important point you just made where people, I used to try to rush my healing and force it, which is a drivenness, which isn't peace. And I literally, the Lord's like, 
I know how to handle my people. Like if you trust my timing and I've had to how many times turn it over. Okay, Lord, I let go. It's not going to be how I want it in the right time. I want it what I want it to look like. You said a very important thing, Gigi. Like it would have broke you. And he knows because he loves It's the foundation he has to lay first. Most of of identity and love. Identity and love before he reveals a big kicker. So the answer doesn't get to take you out. Exactly. That would have crushed me at earlier. So at the time he showed me, it was like, wow, that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, it was just such a big revelation and it gave me a different kind of Mm. grace and and appreciation, even though she was deceased, it gave me a different kind of grace Mm. and appreciation for my mom, you know, and just a compassion for her experience, which I had never been able to have before. Whoa. And truth sets free. So yes. there's that element of the truth does set you free. Yes. I think in the right timing, because the timing. truth is powerful, but it's yes. the timing of <laughs> trust. If we don't love yeah. him, we don't trust him. That's huge, huge. We started that off about that, talking about a being angry with God. And I appreciate yes. you bringing that up so so um people can understand it's okay to be angry. Yes. Don't see and it don't camp yes. out. Chris Valentin yes. says, don't build like set up tent. Right. <laughs> Because right. how many years I did that in the past and going over, right. but trusting the Lord and pursuing his heart and just being like, I don't, I am angry at you, Lord. I, I'm mad at you. And you know how many right. people get that free literally by just, and I'm not trying that's to, right. it, by just acknowledging, man, by I am just acknowledging it. And, and because that's that for me, that's when the release came, yes. when I could actually just acknowledge it. He wasn't angry with me for being angry with him. Oh. He was waiting for me to acknowledge it so that he could heal me and so that he could free me. You know, it's it's really like the, uh, and I don't know, this message keeps coming back up, but it was, in a lot of ways, it's like the, the Hebrew boys in the fire. And the only thing that got burned, you know, were the things that bound them, the ropes that bound them, that's it. And so it's very similar. There's, there's a heat that comes <laughs> from staying in a place of being angry with God. That is most certainly not healthy. He wants to come in and be that fourth man in the fire. He will be in there with you. And the only thing that will remain, <laughs> you know, the, the only thing that gets burned is is the is what was bounding, bound, what bound you. So I came out free and 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 healed and not angry anymore and with the joy of the Lord able to move forward. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful to hear this. I, I just, our testimony, when you tell your testimony, it's like, it makes room for God to do it through you for yes. others. Yes. So those of you listening that are angry at God, we're, we're just asking that you would take a minute yes. or push pause or, or let it mull it over and process this. And then go to your yes. journal and go to your knees and go to your prayer closet and ball, like get the Kleenex and just yes. acknowledge that, give it that yes. voice. Oh man. When he can see it, he can heal it. When yes. we feel it, he can heal it. And it's, yes. this is actually a neat invitation. Like I even feel the anointing. It's an invitation for you to be like, whoa, what happened to her can happen to me. And in order for the Lord to use, and actually you'd walk out your destiny, Gigi, like to walk out part of your destiny was this a really important piece? Oh, absolutely. 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 One of those mile markers, you know, where, and the Lord's done this with me before in other spaces where he's like, I cannot move you further until you release this piece right here. I cannot. And he's, I mean, he's, 
he's done that in some in some pretty crazy places for me along this journey but each each one is a is a testament to his pursuit of us yeah you know like he wants this for us more than we want it for ourselves yes amen and because of that he will be faithful to see us through if we just let go sometimes sometimes it's just to and when i say let go i mean let go with the vulnerability and and transparency of where we are yes you know this is where i am right now there was there was a period where i was my my church has like outreaches all over the country and there was a period where i was in one city and not in the city where i was really living um i had done a summer job and an internship so i was back east but i had some serious art with a sister back at the home front, like serious art. And at the time I had just chalked it up as look, we're just oil and water. We'll never mix. You know, we're just not going to get along. You know, I love her with the love of the Lord, but we're never going to get along. Right. That was how, that was my answer to that. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks one day. He broke through a conversation I was having with somebody else about something else. Mm -hmm. And just as clear as my name, he said, if you don't choose to love her, I cannot move you forward, period. I was just like, oh my God. That was part of the lessons about his heart for his kids. You know, in my own, I, I was honest. I was like, I don't know how to do that. Yep. You know, I just don't know how to do that. Yep. <laughs> and so I had to acknowledge it and, and, and say, I don't, I don't. And quite frankly, up to this point, I haven't really wanted to do this, but okay. I really want to now because I hear you. So I need you. I need your help with this. Well, I didn't know that at the same time, he was doing something on her end, which was almost the opposite because she had been trying to reach me, reach me, reach me, reach me. And I had been rejecting, rejecting, rejecting. So while I'm over here <laughs> getting slammed, she had given up she had just like oh well I don't know I don't know what else to do so when I went back home six months later I was yeah I was I was like Lord whatever it takes whatever it takes I am willing to do whatever it takes and because of she could see something different in me which drew her we ended up becoming co-coordinators for a major outreach major part of our ministry and the Lord showed me in hindsight like there was a reason, in particular, you two really needed to get it together. Thank goodness. I had no idea, you know, that that was ahead of me. I was an MV man leadership at that point. So it was just like, that was so far beyond where I could see myself at that point. And so I watched him do things. There was another point where with my mom, you know, I'm in my house in Berkeley, minding my own business, walking down the hallway. And the Lord says, if she never changes will you choose to love her anyway and there was such a weightiness on it when he said it i just kind of slid down the wall i was like i don't i don't wow that's that's a tall order god that's that's a lot to ask <laughs> that's a lot to ask and and it's like that's the other thing we don't understand that you know god's father heart is to mend everyone yep and huge, and huge and he cares about everybody's piece of this and perspective in this. And, and he's aware, he's so aware of our pain 
like you were saying earlier, the timing, you know, God's timing on things. And, you know, uh, I was reading in Exodus, you know, yesterday and it was like, he let them be in bondage for 400 years. You know, that's, you know, that's longer than we ever experienced anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times it's perspective. It's like, it feels like this is taking forever to change or whatever, but, but for him, it's a blink. You know, it's it's a blink. It's really not that long a time to endure. And if we if we will embrace his heart, then he will help us endure and he will show us what to do. And did that mean that I just instantly, you know, everything was gone? No, but I had an anchor, you know. So when I went home and my mother said something that was incredibly hurtful again, I was now in a place to say, okay, right now I don't really know what to do with this, God, I need help. And I would go outside and I would take a walk with the Lord and then I could come home <laughs> and be respectful to my mother and choose to love her regardless of what it felt like. And I might have had to do that several times during that visit. And that was okay. He's not, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for yieldedness. Yes. You know, he's looking to just yield, just yield and be available to me. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through this. Cause we need him. We need to yes. find him in the middle of it or we will yes. be owners and isolated like the enemy yes. wants. I'm holding it together, but there's like flashes of times as you're talking of, uh, we understand Gigi and I understand the pain, how it feels to actually surrender that part that you're like, I was trying to force things for my, so Gigi, when you said, when he, he said that to you, will you love her no matter if she changes or not? There's been pivotal moments where the Lord's is like, will you love me if I don't, if this, if I don't work, the way you do think? and I'm like, dude, uh, thank you for that question. Lord, looking back, I was like, thank you for that question. It was a very pivotal key mm -hmm. to actually healing and breakthrough. Cause then I, I think what was happening is I was trying to force my will mm -hmm. on the situation because mm -hmm. I thought I could get a relief, uh, pressure off relief, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. my way then mm -hmm. that. It was weird. It was a numbing probably too. It was probably a code, um, a coping. Mm -hmm. Yes. But, but he wanted our, like you said, he wanted surrender. And then, and he's like, find me in the process of it. Cause you need me. Yes. That offered a different perspective when he said, well, will you, if, even if I don't change yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, oh man. And that's yeah. called sacrifice. Yes. But it is, it is so liberating. It's so, hard. and I think people just don't like you can't know that until you make a decision to do that. Yep. You know, that's that's one of those things where I can tell you how great an orange tastes, but until you taste that orange, you just don't know. You have no idea. I, I, there are no words that can give you the experience of tasting the orange. You've oh. got to taste the orange for yourself. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants all of us to taste and see of how good he is as a father. Yes. And that's the only way your testimony really has impact. That's that's why it says we overcome by our test by the word of our testimony. We we overcome <laughs> we overcome by sharing this work, this transformation, this consecration, this sanctification, this healing work that he's continually doing in us. Testimony is not like a one and done event experience. It's a continual kind of mm. thing where we continue to release and surrender more 
and more <laughs> and more to the Lord. And then he continues to have a story of overcoming that accompanies that surrender. Yeah. Amen. That's shouting stuff right there. Woo. I could, but you know, I'd scare people. That's, that's shouting stuff. It's shouting stuff overcomes and he overshadows yeah. it and he goes yes. before us. You know what I love? One thing about your testimony that stands out is his vision for yes. you. You didn't have it for yourself. Yes. That's almost like seals that almost seals for me in a blessing in such a blessed way that I might not see the whole picture. I might not see in front of me. I might not. And even now I'm dreaming again, but I didn't dream when I was in brokenness and my heart mm -hmm. broke. I, mm -hmm. When you keep you a couple times, it was probably more. He's had this vision where he went before you and was like, yeah, beloved, I made, I made this already for you. You're just going to step into it with your obedience mm -hmm. and healing. And the yes. like, there's always better with God. Like, yeah, <laughs> always, <laughs> always, but it is amazing. So that's, so that's the other thing. So, so our brokenness, I think the other thing that probably hinders us most is, is our stubbornness. Hey, say it again. Um, <laughs> say it again. <laughs> You know, because a lot of times we do think we know what we need. Oh, we do think we know that, well, this is what I need in order to feel better or get better yep. or make this successful or whatever. Yeah, and give it to me and, and I want it my way. I want it my way. You know, we can be, you know, I think believers can so easily self-deceive. Agreed. Because we, you know, we have this, this knowing, this relationship, we know enough word just enough to be dangerous. And, and yet we haven't mastered the humility that allows that word to be always alive in wow. us. Wow. Cause that's the door. That's, that's the key. Really. My pastor always used to say that humility is the key that locks, unlocks every door. When we can humble ourselves to say, Lord, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. No, seriously. Yeah. If you don't do something quick, you know, cause I can't, you know, and, and even if you don't, it's like, what am I going to do? I know, you know, I've gone through something the last 22 months where it's like, okay, you know what? So the bottom line is I can't do it anyway. So however long you take to do it, it's going to be what it is. Cause I can't manufacture it. There you go. So I might as well sit down and, you know, enjoy some tea. Cause, <laughs> but it's amazing how long it can take us to get to that place. You know, how many walls we must hit our head against, you know, how many bunny trails we must go off on our own to find ourselves in a ditch looking out going, oh my goodness, how in the world did I land over here? It's that continual surrender that really, really is the pathway. You know, I am more convinced daily, you know, that just just surrendering, you know, this whole, you were talking about, they reached out to you about having me as a guest. Well, they also reached out to me. I didn't know who they were. Yeah. I didn't know anything about their existence. And it was kind of crazy because I thought it was going to be out. Yeah. The whole initial call was something completely different than what I expected. Yeah. I'm watching the Lord do this the way he wants to do it. Basically. Wow. I'm, I'm like watching. I'm, I'm sitting in the passenger seat. He's driving me when he says, speak, I speak. And I have really no idea what this is supposed to look like in the scheme of things. Yep. But when he told me to get in this car and ride, 
I was like, oh, okay. Something I never envisioned, just never. Yeah, speaking and speaking about your book on the stages and platforms. And 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 podcast in particular, Podcasting. as a podcast guest. I mean, I just, that wasn't within, that wasn't even in my sphere of knowledge. Again, the vision thing, like the yeah. thing, he's like, I have more for you. How important is, and we're going to kind of close it up because exactly. I could talk to you for like another hour, but I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to honor this holy ground with the father's yes, heart absolutely. our listeners, yes. but how important is trust? Yeah, that's, I mean, not only is it the critical piece, but it is also, it is also the piece that creates the most issues. So, and I say that to mean, I would say that a lack of trust is the primary reason that people remain wounded. You said beautifully. Yep. You said it beautifully. People remain wounded because I'm too afraid to trust your word concerning your character as my father, because I've never seen that before. I haven't seen it. I don't even know how to believe that, how to receive that, how to expect that. So help us Lord. Like, and, and, and so it's a major point of our really having to be like that father who said, okay, God help my unbelief. On the flip side, <laughs> it's that trust of God's character as a father, which is also most pivotal, I believe, in wholeness. You know, when you can really like, oh man, I trust him. Like I know he is not going to let me drown. You know, I I told some people once about my my biological father. I don't know how to swim still. <laughs> and I've taken swimming lessons several times. But it was because I didn't trust the people. I didn't trust them enough. Not that I didn't trust that they knew what they were doing, but I didn't trust their love for me enough to believe that something could not go wrong and they would let me drown. That's what I didn't trust. After meeting my dad, my dad was a swimmer, like in the military. <laughs> not only did he have the skill set, but what was the real deal was I know good and well, Bobby Deadweiler would never let his baby girl drown. Like never. The only reason I didn't get to learn how to swim is because my dad got ill. And we couldn't complete that piece. But but there was no question about my confidence. And that's the level of confidence God wants us to have in his love as a father. Like there is no way he is going to let me drown. There is no way. Trust is a really big, like what you said, and I'll have to, about trust being a huge piece yeah. and, and trusting in his character. And what, when we think there's lack of character because we don't draw near to him and lies keep us away from him. It's a big yes. That's why I'm so grateful your voice and your message is on this show because it needs to be heard. And, and, you know, I'm thinking the father, like how his anointing has to work through you because words and there's experience. And I can tell you've experienced the heart of the father. And you can tell when we talk to certain people, they know the father dude mm -hmm. in their eyes, their heart, the wholeness, yeah. piece, the wholeness, mm -hmm. yeah. but there has to be the anointing. Yeah, It has to be because, so before we tell them where to find you in your book, I want to know more about that. What is like the message of the father's heart for God's children that you want to just, you know, kind of finish off with? And I think the, the message might be best illustrated in the story of the prodigal son. The father's heart is that you have never gone too far. You are never too far away for his heart to reach down and bring you home to him. It doesn't matter 
what you have fallen into intentionally, unintentionally, it doesn't matter. His heart for you is that he is anxiously waiting and looking out for you to come home and he will run at the first sign of your desire to do so. Yeah, I um I'm gonna bask in that. I'm gonna continue to bask in that. And I even saw like a picture of the wells that people dig themselves into. And then mm-hmm. I just as you were talking, Gigi, I saw like pictures of deep trenches and and then I was like, I can see why your audience like balls because then I'm like thinking of what how he waited for me and or pursued me and chased after me and and I'm like, oh my gosh, the anointing. Like, Lord bless the hearts of your children that are listening, like that their ears are open and anything standing in the way or blocking that, that you would remove them by your spirit and by your power alone. And let your fire like burn on these words and like, let your fire burn on this message. And God, we just want your heart to be known, be made known to your children. So Gigi, where, um, where can we find your book and where can we find you? And tell me a little more about how they can get a hold of you. My listeners can get a hold of you. Probably the best place is my website, which is www.wellfedresources.com. And if you do forward slash healing, you will come to the page with both the book and the workshop right there. Well, I I don't know that how like special and beautiful this was. I don't know how to close it out to honor it, but I'd like honor the gift in you and I honor the message on cool. your heart. And I'm uh, just admire um, how you've stepped out and allowed the Lord to to work through you and what we didn't even get to yet, but just to encourage you all that's listening, like, look what God did in Gigi's life with a pain and the deepest pain, which we know anybody fatherless, anybody in a lot are like a lot. You even said that's like, right. a lot of people. Yeah. like we can relate to this. Look what God did with your pain, how he turned it into purpose, to message, to transformation and how many people are getting free from it. I'm still like, I got no words. I got as only God could do only God could do. So be encouraged. If you guys are in the middle of a mess or in the middle of pain that he's already has a way out, first of all, path out to freedom and redemption, but also be encouraged that he's going to use that. And I'm taking it for me. I'm like taking that testimony for me that he's going to use it for his glory, but also like for your, like your wholeness that came out of it, the wholeness that used to come out of it. Sure. We get to eat from that fruit, that tree of life. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. And I hope we can, yeah, I know we'll keep in touch and I, I pray that people find you and I know this is going out all over the world. So God, let it be for your glory. Let it be for your glory, God. Thanks. That's, that's my heart. Thank you.